welcome back in the Bill Michaels Show. We continue on. Hour number two, and welcome in to everybody on the network. Hopefully, uh, this Monday finds you well. I will say this. uh, Something just happened that has not happened in a long time. Can you guess what it is? Just throwing it out there. Something just happened, like within the last five minutes, that, is, that, that has not happened in a while. Uh, Van, you are 100% correct. Really quick, Van says, uh, did the sun come out? Absolutely. Can't believe it. The sun just popped out. I don't know what it is in your neck of the woods, but I haven't seen that big orange ball in the sky in a long time. It's been rain and fog and bleck and everything else, and uh, the sun just popped out. So there you go. There you go. Um, the re- the reports are Brandon Staley uh, going to get interviewed. Okay. Uh, we kind of knew this last week. We talked a little bit about it. Uh, I um, I don't know. I'm not thrilled about it. To be honest, I just am not. I, I watched the way he handled himself down the stretch of his tenure. With the ran or with the uh, the Chargers, and not a fan, not a fan. Maybe he's a better defensive coordinator. Seemed like he rose through the ranks extremely quick, which can bode well, can be a good thing. But um, I'd like to see them uh, cast the wide net, so to speak. Cast a little bit wider net. Uh, although you know, there's a familiarity there. I get that, but uh, I'd still like to see them go a little bit deeper into things. So we'll see. I, 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 I do believe, I will say this, I do believe that there will be a defensive coordinator in place probably in the next three, four days at the latest. I thought there might be something over the weekend that might have happened, to be honest. I, I thought it would have been, might have been done by now. So I'm, on one hand, I'm glad it's not because that tells me that they are going through the long list uh, or the short list of candidates. On the other hand, um, maybe the guy specifically they wanted either is no longer available or is not interviewing at the moment. Maybe they're on another team. Maybe they're on one of the two teams that are still playing, which could be a possibility as well. So. Uh, but I'm, I'm, you know, I don't think there's a, a, a needed rush at this point to come up with somebody. At least not last week. So we'll see. See what happens. See what happens. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. If you want to find us, please feel free. Go ahead and do so. Michael says, I hope they don't uh, hire Christian Parker. He was here under Mike Pettin in 19, uh, 19 and 20. It's time for the organization to step away from the family branch and hire somebody that's different than the last three defensive coordinators. Parker's going to be the same as Pettin and Barry, in my opinion. I just want them to move on. Uh, that is from Mike. Mike, appreciate it, uh, the email. Uh, this one is from our buddy uh, John and Howard. He says, hey, Bill, are there any statistics on how many times a team has scored a touchdown after not taking the field goal on fourth down? I don't know. That's a great question. What is the likelihood? And here's the, here's the other thing to think about. 
is depending on where your fourth down is. Is it, are you deep, deep in in their territory where you're kicking a chip shot, say a 24-yarder, which which in essence means you're on what, the, the seven-yard line? You know, inside their five, and you decide to kick a field goal? Or, and you turn the ball back over and you're giving it back to them, or are you trying to kick a 45-yard field goal? Or a 55-yard field goal? And then they take the ball down and score. Because you're talking about a vast difference of almost 30 yards. So at least 20, 20 to 25. So I don't know what those statistics would be. But I'm, I'm, you know, maybe we can dig something up throughout the, throughout the broadcast. But look, Dan Campbell went for it on fourth down 25 times this year. It is, it, it's part of that DNA. And I, I know that there's some Detroit Lions fans that are upset, but you knew this. This this is it's not Riverboat Ron Gambler. This is a guy that believes in punching you in the mouth. And and while you're down, keeping you down. And they just so happen to do it in in a, against a very, very good football team. I think he could have kicked it and it could have worked. It, it could have worked going for it on fourth down. I mean, Reynolds had it right in his hands and he dropped it. I also think Dan Campbell has vindicated a little bit because the Niners put up 27 points like that. So he right. knew we need to stay. I know we have a lead, but we got to stay aggressive. We got to keep keep scoring points. So I, I don't know. Dan Campbell's going to get crapped this week. Maybe some of it is deserved, but I think a, a lot of it's going to be unfair. I, I think a lot of it's going to be unfair. I think uh, in the Detroit area, some of it's going to be painfully understood. Um. And, and but when I say that, it means it hurts because you you had opportunities and you let them go by the wayside. But look, Dan Campbell, it was Reynolds that dropped two fourth down passes that were right there. It was Gibbs that fumbled away the football. Hey, you know, it, Dan Campbell didn't do any of that. You know, if they take that if they take that drive, if they don't turn the ball back over on Gibbs's fumble and give it right back to San Francisco and San Francisco plunges it right back in. I mean, it, in a matter of about three minutes, it went from being up three scores to all of a sudden tied. It, it was this I mean, and you it was like a giant snowball rolling downhill, gaining momentum, getting bigger, and they just couldn't stop the roll. And it wasn't Dan Campbell because Dan Campbell was trying to stop the roll in the fourth down. If you get the fourth down, you keep the drive going, you can go up another score, you know, you can extend that lead, all of that. And I get what he was trying to do. I understand it. And he was trying to t- continue to take time off the clock. He talks about San Francisco having the ability to bleed the clock, he, all of that. Because if you if you convert, if Reynolds catches that pass, you convert. And even if you take another three minutes off the clock or two minutes off the clock, but you kick a field goal, okay, so be it. But if you take it in and score, that's it. That's your dagger moment. That's it. D- Detroit wins that game. So in, in, in that split second, when the ball hits him in both hands, it wasn't a great pass. It was a little bit down and back behind him and a little bit low. But it was really the only place Goff could put it and still keep it out of harm's way. And if Reynolds just pulls it in, he all he's got to, all that he has to do is pull it in. And you look at what he did or didn't do versus the pass that goes off of the defender's face mask into the air and Brandon Ayuk still catches it. So when you talk about degree of difficulty, Ayuk kept the concentration, did what he needed to do in that big moment where Reynolds did not. And that's the difference. That's the difference in what you're dealing with in a team that just has that ability to make those big plays. 
How about, though, speaking of big plays, how about Marquez Valdez-Scantling? Comes up craptastic for a lot of the season and then gets deep not once but twice on Baltimore and makes a falling backward to the ground catch, grabbing it, yanking it into the breadbasket, and hanging on to it. I, I, I was like, wow. Do you think MVS would have ever seen another pass if Aaron Rodgers was his quarterback the rest of the season? He never would have gotten a ball thrown to him. And still Patrick Mahomes goes to him, and he's done it in back-to-back weeks now. And that's just the we're going to keep plugging away winning winning capability of those two teams. Just amazing. Just amazing. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Uh, give us a shout. Uh, we'd love to hear from you again, 877-867-1670. Um, Mike says, uh, Dan blew that game, putting so much pressure on the Lions. But, but he didn't. How did he put pressure on the Lions? Hey, if, look, I agree if you kick the field goal, it's safe. But this was something that was brought up by Jared Goff after the game. Goff said, if you think that we weren't prepared to go for it on fourth down, that's one of the things we love about our head coach. And went on and on and on about it. He said, it's what we've done all year. We would have been upset because it would have been out of character for us not to have gone for it. And he, we would have looked at it as he had doubts in our ability. And, and that's a pretty powerful statement. That's a pretty powerful statement. Uh, Bill says the key to me was for them to uh, kick the field goal, get up three possessions. All they had to do then was match them in points, plus running the ball at the end. If they don't score, it was the game, onside kick. Uh, they're impossible to get in the NFL anymore. That's another That's another um, argument I have for the NFL. They have eliminated the onside kick and that opportunity, that chance down the stretch. I, I absolutely positively hate it. What the NFL has done to the kicking game is garbage and a joke, and I wish they'd go back to the old way. They did it. The, this is where the hypocrisy of the NFL comes in. They did it in the name of player safety. And basically, they took a competition out of the game. They did it in the name of player safety, but then added more Thursday night games, overseas games, and a 17th game to the schedule. I, you, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't look us in the eye and act like you're serious. But yet you took away two exciting aspects of football. The kicking game, kickoff returns, and then obviously the onside kick. Because you don't really have a chance at the end of ball games anymore. You just don't. Uh, 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. Real quick, uh, David says... The moment was too big for Dan Campbell, but it wasn't. Uh, but wasn't too big for the team. He blew it with that call. But he did exactly what he's done all season long. I, I mean, I get it. Hindsight being what it is, I thought at the time too. Take you know, kick the field goal. I agree with you, but I don't think. I think the moment wasn't too big for Dan Campbell. I think the moment was too big for the team. Reynolds on an important fourth down drops the football. Gibbs drops the football. I mean, he didn't. Dan Campbell didn't do either of those, right? He didn't do either of those. 
So I think it was more like, more so his team getting tight. Had he kicked a field goal, again, Jared Goff said that would have been out of character and we might have looked at things differently, like he didn't have a belief in us. So I think, if anything, Dan Campbell did what he normally does and says, we're playing our game. No problem. We're playing our game. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. Let's go to uh, Jimmy listening to us in Valley Junction. Jimmy, how you doing, man? What's going on? Hey, Bill. How are you? Um, I'm doing great on that play, good On that play where the uh, long bomb and it glanced off the uh, – Lions helmet, and then the San Francisco player caught it for I think it was a fifty-one yarder. They had a, they said there was a flag thrown on the play, and they said they picked it up, no foul, but they didn't they didn't talk about what it was. I wish they would have said, you know, it, I thought it might have been offensive pass interference, but without mm-hmm. any explanation, uh, you're just kind of sitting there wondering, well, why did they pick the flag up? And what was the what was the proposed penalty? I don't know. I don't know if it would have been on Vildor or if it would have been on or uh, Vilda uh, Vildor or if it would have been on Brandon Ayuk. That's a great question because I they were both hand fighting down the field, and I didn't really see an agree. I mean, I get what you're saying because they threw the flag. So my question would have been, what did they? Yeah, right. What did they throw the flag at? Because both guys were hand fighting, but neither guy really grabbed the other or impeded the other from being able to go up and get the football. Maybe that's the reason they picked it up. Because I didn't see pass interference when they had the replay, but you got to wonder, I mean, you know, why they threw the flag to begin with. What did they see that maybe we didn't? Right. It'd be nice if they would have said, you know, we threw the flag, but we met on it. It was originally thought maybe, you know, whatever they threw the flag for, but we decided it wasn't. Instead of just saying there was no foul and picking it up, because then people go, well, you know, was it? Was was a def- or offensive pass interference, but the play was so big that they they decided to to go back. I don't know, but it, I, I wish they yeah. would. Uh, you know, the refs would say something. Explained it absolutely. I completely agree with you. Appreciate the phone call. Yeah, it would have been great to well, know whether it was off Vildor's face mask, and Vildor was the aggressor, and maybe they threw it because they thought he was getting too handsy, or if Brandon Ayuk was doing it. But that something like that feeds into the. Well, the play worked out for the 49ers, so we're not going to throw the flag on, on Detroit after all. You know, that that feeds into the whole conspiracy theory about who they wanted in the Super Bowl. I don't think it's right. Don't get me wrong. But I, I understand where people's, at times, the mere appearance of impropriety can mean there's impropriety. Right? We hear about it all the time. The you know, just If you're, if you're a, a, like a Dateline fan like I am, just the mere appearance of guilt is enough to make them take a harder look at you to see if you're guilty. You know, when people don't cooperate, they get a little bit scared. They get a lawyer before they want to really cooperate in something that they would consider to be uh, a help towards a friend or a loved one's, you know, crime. And when they don't help, you're kind of like, well, why wouldn't you help? Why wouldn't you do that? There's some people that are just scared that they just don't want to get implicated in something like that. But that's where the conspiracy theory starts to run in, right? So when you pick up the flag, the mere appearance of impropriety makes people wonder what the hell's going on. 877-867-1670. Head us up. we got more of the Bill Michael Show coming. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Good to have you back. Hey, if you, uh, well, now's the time. I mean, uh, while you probably have the, the boat in storage or anything else for that matter that needs a cover, maybe it's a business that needs an awning out in front after the winter cold, as brief as it was, took a toll, or the heavy snow took a toll, started tearing it up. Our buddy Dwayne, Dwayne's cover it all up in Wausau. He can do it all. Boat covers, uh, upholstery, awning, gym equipment, office furniture, so much more. Just maybe furniture around your house. Whatever it is you need done, he can do. That's Dwayne's, D-U-A-N-E-S, Dwayne'sCoverItAll.com. That is Dwayne's Cover It All.com, or call him direct for the best, the best out there, whether it's, like I said, boat covers, um, upholstery, awnings, gym equipment, office furniture, chairs and such that maybe you have around your home. He can do it all, and that is Dwayne's Cover It All.com. Call him, 715 715-870-2119, 715-870-2119. 1985 uh, or 715-870-2119. That is Dwayne's Good, good stuff. Um, the question that I think was answered this weekend, and correct me if I'm wrong, is Brock Purdy a game manager? And don't you now have to say, no, he's not. No, he's not. Now you can put him into that upper echelon of quarterback for what he's done the last two years. I think we can, I I think you can finally say that because in those big moments, he had the it factor against the Packers and against the lions when they needed it the most, they needed a big throw. They needed a big play. He gave it to them. Can you finally say that Brock Purdy, even though he was Mr. Irrelevant, even though he wasn't a number one overall draft choice or anything like that, can you finally say, I mean, they found, you know, there's been quarterbacks that have come on that out of nowhere that have all of a sudden become terrific quarterbacks because even though they weren't taken number one overall in the first round and what have you, but can we say Brock Purdy even though he was Mr. Relevant, is now a really good quarterback. Can we now say that? I th- I think we can. Grant, would you now look at Brock Purdy? Do you look at him differently? No, I'm. I, no, he's he's fine. I've never said that he's bad. I I think he's I think he's fine. Uh, he put together some game winning drives the last two weeks, but like if the Packers and the Lions just catch a couple interceptions. I mean, none of that ever happens. So right. I, I think pretty, I think pretty's fine, and he's obviously capable of making a couple of awesome throws. But I think his opponents have really let him off the hook a little bit the last couple of weeks. Nope i I can get that. I can understand it. Uh, I look at a guy like say Kurt Warner, who was playing in the Arena League. He was a backup to the backup to the backup. Ended up stocking store shelves, and then all of a sudden he gets a little bit of a, a new life. Finds his way into Dick Vermeil's system down there, and the greatest show on turf. And the rest is history. Um, I'm not saying Brock Purdy's that, but they're in the Bay Area comparing the it factor of Brock Purdy to the it factor of Joe Montana. Now, I think that's a, an incredible stretch because Brock Purdy hasn't won anything yet. But let's say the 49ers win. The throw to Debo Samuel, uh, the throw to Ayuk. Ayuk had one where he just turned around and broke it up. I mean, Ayuk had some big plays yesterday in that ball game. Uh, the one was, you know, a, a, a pass that was just overthrown. 
and Brandon Ayuk had to break it up and it ended up becoming an incomplete pass. Otherwise, it was picked off. I agree with you. But the two runs that he had for not only first down but big chunks of yardage, and I, I, I just – I've been saying it for – all the guy does is win, and all people do is knock him for it. Yeah, you won, but – yeah, you, you've done this, but. And I, I'm just like, if you look at the guy's numbers – and you look at the wins that he's had since he's come into the league, the wins versus the losses. Now, I know it's the ultimate team sport, but it is it is one of the things we judge people on. I get it. But And then when his team seems down and out, is all of a sudden when he like, resurrects himself and starts to play really well, like the moment never gets too big for him. I, I, I agree with you because I'm looking at him yesterday going, man, I, I don't know if he's having his best game. In the biggest moment, but he's just finding ways to do the little things to get them over the hump. Do do we now look at if he wins his Super Bowl? Do we look at Brock Purdy differently? Would Brock Purdy do you think even win the MVP in the Super Bowl, or do you think it's going to go to say Debo Samuel or Christian McCaffrey? Oh yeah, if he, if he plays any, it's like any quarterback in the Super Bowl. If you play even a respectable game, a pretty good game, you're going to get the MVP. Um, it depends on what it looks like. Like that's the problem with Brock Purdy the last couple weeks. The problem for Brock Purdy is that we have TVs and our eyes can watch what's going on. And he had a great drive at the end of the Packer game. A lot of it was McCaffrey to be fair, but the first three quarters against the Lions and the Packers were off target throws balls that should have been intercepted and weren't. So I, I think he's fine. The problem with Brock Purdy is people are going to get on sports TV today and say that he's like a top three quarterback in the league. He's he's no. not. He's not terrible. No. He's not great. He's fine. And for this team, like fine and, and a couple of special throws a night, that'll get the job done. Yeah. He just, eh, he's got something. He's got an intangible. And I I mean, I, I don't know how long it's going to, how far it's going to take him, but he's got an intangible. And he he does make plays in moments when you think here's here's what it's kind of like what you're waiting for. You're waiting for the failure. And he doesn't give you the failure. But yet the quarterbacks that we put all the stock in and a guy like Lamar Jackson, a guy like Dak Prescott, a guy like Josh Allen, they're not there. In those big moments, they have had big failures. For whatever reason. And yesterday was a you know, prime example, Lamar Jackson. I mean, just throwing into triple coverage in the middle of the end zone. Twice, twice they had issues in the end zone and couldn't punch it in. Could have been a different ball game with patience and just couldn't punch it in. So how much credit do we give Brock Purdy? Also coming up in a little bit, I want to talk about how big of a win it was for Patrick Mahomes or how big of a loss it was for Lamar Jackson as well. But uh, coming up after the bottom of the hour, we got uh, Brad Spielberger coming uh, coming on the program. He's going to join us from Pro Football Focus. We're going to talk with him about all of this stuff, uh, and I'll get his opinions on all of this as well. Uh, the one thing uh, um, it's Jesus says, uh, same old Lions. It's not. They won back-to-back playoff games for the first time since the 50s. This, this, this is a Lions team that's built to stick around. And I think they will. I think they're going to be battling for the top spot in the AFC North or the uh, NFC North now for a while. I think they're going. I think they've uh, elevated themselves above, uh, certainly above Minnesota, certainly above Chicago. We know that you know this, this was a year of a, of a learning process for the Green Bay Packers. I think it's the Packers and the Lions can be battling it out now for the next few years.
for sure. Stay tuned. We got a whole lot more of the Bill Michael Show. We got Brant Spielberger, Pro Football Focus, joining us. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. You got to hit it, make it, rock it, put it in the pocket. Hit it, make it, rock it, put it in the pocket. Good weekend at Curly's Waterfront Sports Bar and Grill on Pewaukee Lake. They had a, another meat raffle over there this past weekend. They've got bingo and all kinds of great stuff coming up during the week. Great specials. Taco Tuesday tomorrow, don't forget. So if you're going to be looking for something to do and maybe just go out and relax now that uh, football's kind of winding down we've got a couple of weeks before we get to a super bowl curly's waterfront sports bar and grill in pewaukee lake and if you want to head out there tonight catch the milwaukee bucks game and the uh, beginning of the doc uh, rivers era gets underway tonight that's curly's waterfront sports bar and grill pewaukee lake lakeview boulevard stop in and tell them we said hi joining us now on the hotline our guy brad spielberger of uh, pro football focus and over the cap and such uh, joining us on the hotline brad how you doing man is this the uh, the matchup that you were kind of hoping for yeah, uh, maybe I'm uh, against the grain a little bit, but I think this is probably the two best teams. You know, maybe the Chiefs weren't all year, but they have a guy named Patrick Mahomes, so uh, they're, they're going to make a lot of these games. So, yeah, I mean, it's a rematch of a couple of years ago. Obviously, some different players on these rosters. Um, but, yeah, this is, is going to be an awesome Super Bowl matchup. I uh, now, now, let's start with Brock Purdy, because uh, how many more years do they have of his low-end salary, so to speak? So, you know, it's a four-year rookie contract. In theory, you know, a lot of the good quarterbacks after that third season, which would be next year for him, uh, do negotiate that extension. Obviously, it's a different case. It'll be interesting how they navigate that situation. So, yeah, it could be one more year in theory or, you know, two more cheap rookie contract years before a hypothetical extension would kick in. So uh, this matchup, I mean, obviously the 49ers have a quarterback that is, as they take offense to the game manager title, but they've got a game manager. They've got all these different stars. At what point uh, do the – because this is a window of opportunity for them, is the next year or two, I guess, would be the best way to put it. And then things will start to get different financially for that team, correct? Absolutely. No, they already have a bunch of tough decisions. They already have one of the more expensive rosters in the NFL – you know, highest paid edge rusher, top five tight end, uh, expensive interior defensive lineman and Javon Hargrave and Eric Armstead, who maybe is in the last year in San Fran, has one year left on his deal, but maybe doesn't come back. We, you know, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, yeah. I could name 10 different players, you know, Fred Warner at linebacker. The big one with this offseason will be Brandon Ayuk, who I think has shown he might be the number one receiver on this team. Obviously, Debo Samuel is awesome. He's due for an extension this offseason, and there's no reason why he wouldn't be pushing for you know top-of-market money. Then you've got the opposite side, and that's the AFC side and Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, he obviously has a ton of money coming in his direction. Last year was the first time any quarterback making 13, more than 13.5% of their team's total salary actually won a Super Bowl. So I'd be astounded if he's able to do it again this season with the amount of money he's making. But they'll have additional decisions to make. I mean, how much money does it take – before for a quarterback to take before you start to really see the deterioration of play around him? I think the key there is you have to just make a lot of shrewd decisions around the rest of the roster. And the most obvious glaring one that showed up yesterday was Tyreek Hill, no question one of the best wide receivers in football, but you trade him away. He signs a four-year, $120 million deal with Miami, and no one is debating if he's worth that money. He clearly is, but 
you save all that cash, and then you use a first-round pick on George Karloftis, who was awesome last night, had a beautiful sack uh, on Lamar Jackson where he just cleanly won a pass rush wrap off the edge. Um, what was generating pressure all game was good against the run. Another example, in the Super Bowl, they'll be facing their old pal in Charvarius Ward, a corner they didn't chose to not extend after having a very good Chiefs career. He goes to San Fran for a you know, mid-market deal, $14 million a year. They draft LeJarius Sneed in the fourth round, and he is probably now an even better football player than Charvarius Ward. So you want to say that that doomsday is coming? They were 16th in cash spending this year. They were 17th in cash spending last year. They're not in trouble. Their cap is clean. They're in a good position. Obviously, got to re- replace players like Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey, you know, probably Hall of Fame-level talent. But from a financial standpoint, they're, they're totally fine. Talking with uh, Brad Spielberger, you can get a hold of him at PFF underscore Brad, and uh, if you want to follow him over on X. So now we look in our own backyard, uh, the year that Jordan Love had, and there's going to obviously be a contract extension once you get past the month of May, and that will then be outside of the one calendar year when they extended him last season. Uh, what are we looking at for mon- uh, money and, and such for uh, Jordan Love? Yeah, you know, I know it sounds crazy. He had a, you know, first half was so-so. He was maybe the best quarterback in the NFL from, you know, week nine, week 10 through the end of the season. Obviously, t- tough way to close it out with some, some picks in that Niners game, but was still good in that game, was sensational in the Dallas Cowboys game, obviously. You know, they didn't score a lot of points against Chicago, but he was lights out in that game, which was a pseudo playoff game type atmosphere needing to win. Um, obviously, you know, some things broke their, broke their way, but anyway. It's going to start with the five. It's going to be $50-plus million per year. There's no reason for him and his camp to take anything less than that. And, you know, if they tried to make the argument of, well, it's been a small sample, we haven't seen a lot, we want to see more, it's that, yeah, well, we didn't choose to sit behind Aaron Rodgers for three years. You traded up in the first round, you took us. And now the games that I have played, you know, I was lights out for a full half of an NFL season. Um, I'm getting better in all the areas that I was struggling in early on. I think he's had – more confidence in his pocket and staying in and not bailing from clean pockets. We're seeing the outside of structure, off-platform stuff, but also within structure. And he's thrown to a bunch of rookies and, and second-year players that should get better, too. So, yeah, long answer short, I mean, this, this is going to be a top-five deal at, at quarterback. I think, you know, 52, 53-plus million dollars a year. When you look at some of the uh, the contracts and the money that uh, the Packers are going to have to spend, obviously there's going to be some t- tough decisions ahead when it comes to cutting guys. You would assume that a guy like, say, David Bakhtiari is not going to be here anymore. They're going to gain a lot of cap structure back in that area. Uh, it already says, depending on which site you look at, about you know $4.5 million are going to be under the cap until they start cutting guys. But how much do you have an estimate as to how much money the Packers probably are going to have to play with this offseason? Yeah, so the Bakhtiari is the big one. I- I'd be surprised if he's back. Maybe he takes a massive pay cut and wants to stay. But, you know, he kind of continued to take some shots at the front office here and there uh, at the deadline with Rasul Douglas, for example. So he cleared $21 million with a cut of David Bakhtiari, and that's obviously a massive benefit there. Do you maybe look at, you know, Preston Smith is another decision, potentially could, could argue that one both ways. You know, Aaron Jones, they're not going to pay him $11 million next year. Uh, you know, maybe a pay cut again if he wants to stay. The Jair Alexander situation is obviously fascinating. So, yeah, I mean, look, we know the Packers aren't huge players in free agency. You can pretty quickly get up to, you know, $25 million in space to work around. Like we talked about, you obviously have to add, you know, a big number for, for Jordan Love potentially. But you can restructure some great players like Kenny Clark and, and you know, others. They have enough. If they want to make, you know, for them, make a couple splashes in free agency, add some pieces, they're totally fine on the cap. 
Who is a team that has a bunch of cap, good base players, and within a short period of time could be a major player? I think the Colts are interesting. If we get that breakout from, you know, Anthony Richardson that we didn't really get to see this year, but we obviously should have a lot of faith in Shane Sykin and his ability to cater an offense to the skill set of his quarterback. They're top five in cap space right now. They do have some big decisions on a guy like Michael Pittman at wide receiver, but they're also a team like Green Bay. that doesn't really spend a ton in free agency, tries to earmark or mark those dollars for internal uh, you know, players. I think they're interesting. The Texans are pretty interesting as well. Top seven in cap space going into the offseason. Not a ton of pending free agents they need to give a ton of money to. So those two right there in the AFC South with these rookie quarterbacks um, and, and some flashes on both sides of the ball from other good young players, they, they hit on a couple picks and they hit on a couple free agent signings. You know, they could be in the playoff mix you know, really quickly. What about the Lions? Aren't the Lions like in the top 10 of salary cap space going into this offseason? They are. They're actually sandwiched between those two te- two teams I just mentioned. So they're interesting. I mean, I do think Jared Goff at this point is probably signing a very, very strong contract. It's funny. I thought last night he actually was way better than his box score. And actually, you know, he got let down by his weapons and some of the drops and fumbles and things like that, where he was honestly lights out. But they're interesting. I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown's got to become a top 10 paid wide receiver in the NFL. Obviously, Jared Goff goes from making about $25 million on, on his Lions deal. So maybe that starts with a five as well. Still, at least you know forty-five plus million dollars a year there. Um, they have some interesting decisions. So yes, they are fine, um, but they have more players they need to pay. They only have thirty-eight guys under contract for next season, uh, one of the lowest numbers in the entire NFL. As you guys sit around and uh, kind of chat among yourselves, and the Packers continue to look for a defensive coordinator, is there anybody that would either fit what they have, or somebody that could change things up that would be on the radar or should be on the radar in Green Bay? Yeah, I think some of the obvious ones that already interviewed from a schematic standpoint, you know, Brandon Staley obviously is from that Fangio tree and and runs a zone-heavy scheme uh, akin to what we saw uh, from Joe Barry the last couple of years. They may have crossed paths with the Rams, if I'm not mistaken. So obviously continuity there and, and, and a connection there. You know, I think with their personnel, they shouldn't be afraid of changing things up too. Like, I don't think they're beholden to a certain scheme. And so maybe we shouldn't say they have to kind of follow that direction, but He's probably the obvious one. Um, you know, there's a lot of good names out there. I mean, Ron Rivera obviously didn't go great as a coach, a uh, head coach down the stretch, but he's probably still a very capable and qualified defensive coordinator. Maybe kind of, you, know, you saw Steve Spagnuolo with the Chiefs last night, like what you can do with a veteran D coordinator that maybe isn't chasing head coaching jobs, um, that stability and, and his ability to build that defense up. So there's another name that's interesting. Um, but yeah, I really think they should have a very wide open search and, and not feel as though they have to you know, stay in a specific bucket because of their personnel. The other uh, thing that I, I, I think is relatively interesting in this division specifically is what are the Vikings, do you think, do, what do you think they do with uh, Kirk Cousins? Because does he come back and play for the Vikings? I would assume he would. But how much is too much to pay him and then still try to put the additional team around him? Yeah, I mean, they might still go that route. I think it's hard, I guess, in their mind. They see how good the offense has been the last couple of years. He was riding the ship and playing some very good football before he unfortunately tore that Achilles. I, I just, for me, you, you haven't been good enough. You've seen it, even, you know, your miracle 13-4 and four season, you still don't win a playoff game, lose to a not very good New York Giants team. And, and now he's going to be 36 years old, coming off a mid-season torn Achilles. I, I just, because you can't tag him and he has the open market at his disposal, I think teams like Atlanta and Las Vegas and, and some of these other desperate teams for quarterback help might just offer more than you can. So, if I'm Minnesota, I move on. I know it's not easy. They're picking 11th. They might be just outside the sweepstakes for some guys. Um, if I'm them, I move on. But but I wouldn't be surprised if they don't. 
Brad, always great to talk to you, man. I certainly appreciate it, and uh, we will talk real soon, I'm sure, okay? Sounds great. Have a good one. There you go. Brad Spielberger joining us for a couple of minutes. Pro Football Focus, also part of Over the Cap, overthecap.com, and uh, PFF contributor, been there a long time, at PFF underscore Brad over on X, at PFF underscore Brad. Give him a shout there if you uh, you choose to do so. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. If you want to find us, that's the way to do it. Uh, also, if you want to get a hold of us via email, you can. All you got to do is go to uh, thebillmichaels at gmail.com. That is thebillmichaels at gmail.com. Again, thebillmichaels at gmail.com. Give them a shout there as well. Um, one of the interest, real quick, um, I'm, I'm reading some of these, uh, some of the comments over in the uh, in, in the in the uh, live stream. And when you start to look at, you know, Thomas just says Brock Purdy was a turnover machine this year, a turnover machine. He's got 11 picks, the same as Matthew Stafford, the same as Jordan Love. Uh, Those three guys had 11. He was actually pretty good. Uh, Mac Jones had more. Desmond Ritter had more. Jared Goff had more. Trevor Lawrence, Tua, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allens, and Sam Howell all had more picks than Brock Purdy. Just thought I'd throw it out there. Baker Mayfield had 10. Geno Smith had 10, Bryce Young had 10, Dak Prescott had 9. So when you say he's a machine, a turnover machine, you might want to do your homework before you hit enter. Just throwing it out there. I know we're going to have Mike Clemens in the last half hour of the show. Between 1 Uh and one thirty, somewhere in there, I I want to give you some either-ors about NFC quarterbacks because I don't know that there are a lot of quarterbacks right now that you can say are slam-dunk better choices than Jordan Love. The NFC is kind of wide open, so I want to talk quarterbacks yeah. later on. I'm excited to get your takes. No, let's do that. Let's do that. I agree with you. Let's do that. Because when we were sitting here talking about Brock Purdy, the question then would become, would you rather have Brock Purdy or Jordan Love? I think it's a tough tough call because you look at the results of what's going on. Now, would Jordan Love be better in that particular situation with Shanahan, with that talent around him? Would he be a better quarterback? And I think it's it's a legitimate argument argument to make. There you go. 877-867-1670. Stay right where you're at. Got more. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Reminder that uh, all next week we're going to be live in Las Vegas. We leave the end of this week, as a matter of fact. going to be live in Las Vegas all next week. Make sure you pay attention to all the social media platforms for coverage on Instagram, Facebook, uh, over on TikTok. We're going to be on X. Uh, we'll have the show, obviously, on uh, all the platforms, YouTube, uh, Twitch, uh, LinkedIn TV, um, Kick TV, all that stuff. And then... Uh, a week from Saturday, Saturday night, uh, the night before the Super Bowl, uh, look for the uh, two-hour special that is going to air on My24 in Milwaukee. If you're in Milwaukee, we're going to be on the uh, TV station, My24. I don't know the time. I'll find out the time specifically. But uh, we're going to be on My24. And it's basically going to be uh, the best of leading up to Super Bowl, the best of uh, Radio Row and our week getting you ready for uh, the Super Bowl. But it's going to be a Super Bowl preview and guests and how it all relates back to the Green Bay Packers and such. But on My24 in Milwaukee, uh, and then obviously on their website as well, you'll be able to catch it after it airs. 
But uh, coming up next Saturday, not this coming Saturday night, uh, uh, but the following, the night before the 10th, the night before Super Bowl, you can catch us on My24, and that's where we're going to be. So the Bill Michael Show will be a TV show, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I have not seen any kind of pre-production element when it comes to that, but we're, we're excited to be a part of it. So they thought it uh, pretty cool to follow us around, so that's what we're going to do. Got all kinds of cool stuff planned out there. So we're going to have... We'll be live uh, doing some Facebook Live stuff and all that kind of in uh, Instagram Live and everything on all the different platforms. Uh, live from uh, Media Night, which is opening night. Then there's the Media Party on Tuesday. There's Cigars with the Stars on Thursday. And some other things that I think we're going to be a part of, but uh, we got a, we got a lot of stuff going on. So just be looking for us and look for that broadcast uh, coming up. So excited about that. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. If you want to find us and have a comment, please feel free. Go ahead and give it to us. Don't forget, like Grant said, Mike Clemens coming up in the last hour of the program today as well. Uh, this is from uh, Art. Art says, uh, when it comes to the defensive coordinator, I think it's time to shift it up a little bit. Go to a 4-3 and play a more traditional 4-3. If you watched what the 49ers did yesterday, uh, it was magnificent. Uh, I think that the 49ers did just enough to be able to contain the run game and then stop Jared Goff down the stretch. See, I don't. I, I, I don't think the, the 49ers' defense has proven to be susceptible. You know you know who actually played really good defense yesterday. Um, if you watched uh, the, the Lions and the, the Chiefs, what the Chiefs did I thought was amazing because it looked like their linemen were just dancing. They weren't doing anything to put pressure on Lamar Jackson. They did a magnificent job of coverage in the secondary. They gave Lamar Jackson all kinds of time to throw the football, but they were not going to allow – Spagnuolo did a magnificent job by not blitzing a ton, and when he did, it was pointed. And what they did was keep him in the pocket. You could clearly see it. They were not going to put a big rush and give him a, a running lane. And the couple of times they got to him, he was able to kind of wiggle his way out of it. He's very elusive. And I think down the stretch yesterday, you just watched them. They just stood their guy up or their double team up and just kind of stood there and created that pocket around Lamar Jackson and said, we will not allow you to get outside of this and continue to run for first downs and beat us. And they were successful in doing so. But you got to have, obviously, a good secondary, and their secondary is pretty good. But they did extremely well with that yesterday. I, I thought the best defensive performance yesterday by far was what Kansas City did to Lamar Jackson and company, hands down. It, it, I, I, honestly, I think the 49ers, their defense specifically in the first half of the game, much like uh, against the Packers, was incredibly susceptible. Incredibly susceptible. And then ultimately they figured things out and they started to attack and they got a little more aggressive, and they were able to stop the run. They really kind of stud, did their homework when it came to Dan Campbell late in ball games and how he goes about his business, and they saw it coming, and they were prepared for it, and they gambled that that's exactly what Dan Campbell was going to do, and Dan Campbell did exactly Dan Campbell things, and that's for the reason they had success. So kudos to the 49ers for making those adjustments and playing that way. But for an entire game, hands down, Kansas City. Well, I think that's also why Dan Campbell felt like he needed to go for it on fourth down, even when they had a big lead, because he knew San Fran's too good. Our, our defense has done a right. great job, but we're not going to be able to pitch a shutout the whole game. So right. I think that that's just the reality. San Francisco's so good. Even if you put a good game plan against him, you're not going to be able to keep yeah. him scoreless for four straight quarters. I'd agree with that, too. 
I'd agree with that, too. Hey, big weekend this past weekend down at Steny's, second to National Walker's Point, taking people to the games. And they had a big launch, as we know, of their new menu, which was highly successful. A lot of people came in over the weekend. I know they had a long line for weights and stuff, uh, and they apologized for it. But they said, hey, brand new menu. People came out of the woodwork for some of the things they put on the menu. And you can, yes, you can still get the Bill Michaels garlic cheese bread down there. Hell yeah. Good stuff from our friends at Stenny's Second and National Walker's Point. And the new Stenny's Lake Country, it's a coming. It's a, it'll happen this year, faux show in Pewaukee on Watertown Road. Can't wait. Stay tuned. Two hours down, two hours yet to go. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. <laughs> 